0: Coming up today on the show, I'm going to dig into some of the numbers as the Seahawks get set to travel to the East Coast to take on these Baltimore Ravens that look so formidable in so many ways. Just how do these two teams match up? Where do I think the Seahawks have an opportunity in this game? And what does this game mean? It's a pivotal interconference matchup. And I'll take a deep look at it coming up next on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever Podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Welcome back to the show, you guys. Did you enjoy the week with your first place Seahawks coming off a big win? Going out and making a big acquisition before the trade deadline. Picking up Leonard Williams, one of the better defensive linemen in the league. Uh, we talked about that earlier in the week. Both on the show, if you didn't see my reaction to that, check it out. And also on the PSF app, Dana O'Gorman, my old co-host from the Field Goals podcast, uh, do a midweek show every Wednesday morning, usually at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And you can jump into that live. You can comment, uh, follow along with us. And then we also live stream during games, and we're going to be doing that this week. So during the Ravens game, you can react along with us be part of the conversation. We can even invite you in on video, sort of a Manning cast type of situation. Download that on either Apple uh, or Android, and it's free. Before we get started, hit that like button. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you prefer the audio versions of the podcast, subscribe there too, so you never miss a notice of a new episode. And if you're a Spotify listener and you want to get rid of the ads, you can subscribe for 99 cents. I'll put that link in the description. And also thanks to Martin. Big shout out To one of our listeners uh he bought me three beers on buymeacoffee.com that link is in the description as well if you really want to support the show and you like what i do thank you martin those will go to good use i assure you uh just thought i would look into some of the matchup aspects of this game that i think are interesting um a lot of times i as opposed to to kind of digging myself and and casting a wide net and looking at all of the different uh, avenues uh, of of how you can judge a matchup based on the numbers. I kind of just, things will come into my view most of the time on Twitter that are fascinating to me. And I saw a couple things this week that sparked my interest. Um, Let's do this. Let's get right into this. These are two teams that are off to good starts. The Ravens haven't had their bye yet so they're 6 and 2. Seahawks coming in at 5 and 2. And it's a game that a lot of fans just some of the feedback that I'm getting and some of the things I'm seeing out there um are concerned about. This, this is a tough road. Vegas has it as a 6 point um they have the Ravens favored by six, by 6, excuse me which we know they give you three points for being the home team. So they're really, they see it being a close game. They, they have the Ravens as a three-point favorite. There are ways you can look at this game and make it sound really foreboding for the Seahawks. A lot of talk this year about Lamar Jackson, his performance under Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator there, a much more dynamic passing offense than they've had in the past much less reliant on him running the football, and yet there's always that threat. Um, they've added some weapons. Odell Beckham Jr., although he's uh, he's been banged up a lot. Really intrigued by the the matchup in the slot when Devin Witherspoon slides in there against fellow rookie Zay Flowers, the uh, Boston College slot receiver that's off to such a good start. But for the most part, I want to look at how these two teams match up defensively and running the football because those are their strengths. And so uh, I want to start with just some of the traditional stats and how they, how they rank. And, and I typically, when I go to defensive stats, I look at, and, and offensive stats too, yards per game and points per game. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, right? And we can break this down a million different ways with all the analytics. But how are teams, how successful are teams moving the ball against you? And then how are you at point prevention? Because sometimes you'll see teams that give up a ton of yards but then they're among, you know, they'll be in the bottom 10 in yards given up per game, but they'll be in the top 10 in points because they're, they're really good in the red zone. Well, that can be a skill, can be a strength of that team. Some of that can be good luck. It can be who you're playing. Maybe you're playing some teams that just aren't very good in the red zone. So I'm going to take a look at quite a bit of that, um, but in a in a manner that's uh, succinct. So if you're thinking this is going to be a 40-minute episode with a lot of numbers thrown at me, it's not. It's not. Uh, so let's just take a look, first of all, defensively, how these two teams compare in those key numbers. And right now, you know, we just got done facing the number one defense in the NFL, the Cleveland Browns in just about every single category and fared pretty well. Um. Now we face the number two team in the NFL. <laughs> if the Browns don't lead a category, the, the Ravens probably do. And they're doing it in an interesting way. You look at their depth chart up front on defense Um, And they play a a version of a 3-4-2. They're doing it with some some non-household names up front. Um, We do recognize some of the names. and Clowney joined them late in training camp this year. Um, They're doing it with their linebackers, Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen. They're doing it with Marlon Marlon Humphrey on the outside. They're doing it with scheme and discipline also. Right now, Baltimore giving up their second in the league. They give up 276 yards per game. They're number one in the NFL at 15.1 points. That's outstanding. The Seahawks, and remember, after those first couple of games, Seahawks were bottom three, bottom four in both of these categories. They have steadily risen. Yards per game now, they're smack dab in the middle of the league. They're at 16th in the NFL at 331 yards per game. That's a huge increase over where they were week two, week three. Points per game, just under 20 at 19.7. That's 11th in the league. Again, a big improvement for them. And then offensively, like how those stack up against the other team's offense, neither team is one that you could really call uh, dominant or elite so far this year. Although Baltimore ranks higher, certainly. Seattle, again, middle of the pack, yards per game, 16th. So they're, they're giving up the 16th most yards per game and they're gaining the 16th most yards per game. Skeptics would look at that and say, yeah, pretty mediocre team, right? Uh, Points per game. They are 11th, same as they are on defense. Interesting, right? At 24. Uh, Baltimore, meanwhile, 11th in the league yards per game, 350.8. And points per game, similar. They're seventh. So really not a lot of separation there. Offensively, you know, we're talking about 16 yards a game difference for the Ravens. uh, And they're separated by less than a point and a half on defense. Um, They're doing it in an interesting way, though. So you would think, given those numbers I just gave you for Baltimore, that that they're dominant in all of the metrics. And they're not. Uh, Let's look at those win rate numbers. When you look at pass rush win rate, and you just heard Geno Smith this week in his press conference yesterday, talk about how how they get to the quarterback. They do lead the league in sacks. But they're inconsistent in their pressure. Right now, Seattle's eighth in the league in pass rush win rate. Uh, Baltimore's 13th. So they're getting home, but they're maybe not as consistent. At least what we've seen from the Seahawks. And then in stopping the runs, what's really interesting because we're going to talk a lot about the run today because so I think this what that's what this game comes down to is which, you know, we always want to focus on Geno. Geno's got to be good. He hasn't been as good against good defenses. Um, to me, this comes down to which team runs the football better. Because it's how the Ravens have succeeded so far. And then when you look at the Seahawks offense, as good as they've been in spots, I would argue they've done so in spite of the fact that they haven't run as well as they can. And I think that's going to need to change this week. So when you look at the run stop win rates on defense, Seattle's 10th, we knew they were good against the run. Baltimore's 25th. So as much as, you know, Baltimore's averaging they're only giving up 15 points a game. They're only giving up 276 yards. But they're 25th in run-stop win rate. So they're getting after the passer, but they're they're susceptible against the run. So when we talk about how they're doing it, I mean, now that we're far enough into the season, I think a seven, eight-game sample size is enough, we start to figure out who teams are. And so I always like to ask, how are they doing it, and who are they doing it against? Um, let's look at the who first. Because I don't really think it's a huge factor. And I went old school on this. I I, I went clipboard and pen, if you can see that. <laughs> um, overall, and again, Baltimore's played one more game. Uh, their opponents are 29 and 32. So so the, the teams they've faced so far have a losing record. Seattle's, in one less game, 21 and 32. Uh, so again, they've played... You know, overall, their schedule has been against teams with winning or losing records. You look at the quality of Baltimore's wins, their 21 and uh, their opponents, the teams they've beat this year are a combined 21 and 24. The Seahawks combined opponents this year are 14 and 24. The difference there is Carolina. The Seahawks had Carolina on their schedule and Baltimore did not. A lot of common opponents. We're going to look at that in a second. The quality of their losses, though. Uh, the two teams that Baltimore has lost to Pittsburgh and Indy combined eight and eight. The two teams Seattle has listened, uh, lost to right Cincinnati and uh, the Rams seven and eight, not a lot of separation there. You look at common opponents. They've played four, even through just seven games as far as Seahawks are concerned. Anyway, they've already played four common opponents. Baltimore has beat all four of them, Cincinnati, Arizona, Detroit, and Cleveland. Seattle obviously lost to Cincinnati a game they should have won. Um, Baltimore had a much more convincing win over Detroit and a much more convincing win over Cleveland. So you can certainly make the argument that this is a tough, tough matchup and a tough road trip for the Seahawks heading back east. Uh, How Baltimore is doing it, I, I, I talked about the running game, right? They're averaging 143 yards on the ground, and that's without J.K. Dobbins, their franchise running back who once again uh, got injured and is going to miss the season. Gus Edwards has stepped in. Justice Hill in a rotation there. Edwards had a three-touchdown game this last weekend, although he missed practice yesterday, not sure of his status for the game on Sunday. Um, Seattle, for all of the talk of quality of the running back room, All their investments in running backs in the draft recently, Pete Carroll's penchant for running the football, Uh, sometimes inaccurate criticism from analysts and fans that that he cares about running the ball too much. I think that narrative is starting to change, but maybe it's changing. Maybe it's gone too far in the other direction. Seahawks only averaging 107 yards on the ground right now. That's 19th in the league. Their run block win rate is 14th in the league because I've had some of you say, well, they can't run the football. And I'm going to get some charts here in a minute that that are interesting as far as the running backs are concerned. But I, I had a conversation this morning. Well, they you know the offensive line has been banged up. We need to get them healthy because they haven't done them any favors. Well, their run block win rate, they're 14th in the league. They're winning 71% of their reps in the run game. Whereas Baltimore is 25th. They're only winning 30%. Um, oh I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm reading that wrong. Their run stop win rate is 25th in the league. They're only winning 30% of their run stop reps according to ESPN's metric. So you look at that, you go okay, Baltimore's numbers, they're they're not they're not giving up points. They're not giving up a lot of yards, but they're not very good against the run. Right? They're 25th in run stop win rate. In the league at 30%. So Seahawks need to run the football better Sunday, right? But do they also maybe need to run it more? And do they need to run it differently? I want to do a little screen share here if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're not, if you're on the audio podcast, certainly go over to the Seahawks Forever YouTube page and subscribe and watch. Uh, Let's go here. Uh, Let me do this. Let me take this banner away so that you can... uh, see it better. So this is uh this is from Arjun Menon, uh fantastic follow on Twitter. Um he takes numbers from PFF and and puts these graphs together. It's fantastic. Really gives you a visual of of the good teams and the bad teams in certain areas. Always, you know, X and Y axis type of stuff. This is uh first and 10 rush rate and success rate on design runs. So what you're looking for here is uh, the x-axis over here on the left-hand side vertically is rushing success rate on first and 10. How good is a team on running on first and 10? And then the bottom axis is how often they run on first and 10. And you look at where the Seahawks are and they're right up here at the very top almost towards the left of the graph, if you can see here where my cursor is. So when you break this down, they are tied for the second best success rate in the league when running on first down. And yet they call designed runs on less often than all but five teams. So is this a case where the Seahawks are failing at self-scouting? where they're really good at a certain aspect of offense, but they're not leaning on that hard enough. Are they overthinking things? Teams are expecting us to run it on first and 10 because of our reputation. So we need to go play action. We need to throw the football more on first down. Now we've seen cases where it's extreme in the other way. And that's, it's remarkable to see these numbers considering if you remember the show that I did after the Arizona game, and how disappointed I was in in how predictable they were and how vanilla on offense and how much they ran. 16 out of 24 first downs in that game, they ran the football. And eight of those times, they then ran it on second down two. Now that game was an outlier, but this chart covers the whole season. And so maybe when you look at those numbers and how Baltimore struggled against the run and how good Seattle is running on first and 10, but how how infrequently they do it. Maybe we want to see some more uh, drives begin with running the football. Now, let's look at this another way, because this one was really, really interesting. This is how often a team's rusher doesn't run into their intended run gap versus their success rate when doing so. We know that Kenneth Walker is a dynamic running back. With incredible vision, quickness, cutback ability. Sometimes to a fault, but we have seen him break some big runs when he doesn't like what he sees inside and he breaks it outside, right? Uh, This kind of amplifies that. So on the left side, vertically, success rate when not running into intended run gap. And then on the bottom, the rate of not running into intended run gap. So his success rate, middle of the pack, right? Right. You can see that right almost on that red line right there. 23% success rate when not running into the intended run gap. There's a lot of teams bunched up there and it looks like it's about half, but the rate of not running into the intended run gap, be careful when you're reading this chart. Okay. Usually these charts increase as you go left to right uh this one is the opposite so when you look down here on the left hand side 26 percent is the the number on the extreme side of the left there and then eight percent on the extreme right you can see the la rams the most disciplined run team in the nfl less than eight percent of the time does their running back run into run anywhere other than the intended gap And there's the Seahawks all by themselves at 26%. I have to believe, it doesn't break this down. I have to believe much of that is Ken Walker, don't you? So it's, it's, you know, you kind of live and die by it. You know, if there's been a couple of times this year, we've reposted some of it uh, on my Twitter feed. Where when you're watching that live feed on the PSF app and Walker is running, you can see my body language. Like it's really excruciating sometimes. It can be thrilling, but it can be frustrating too. And and when you look at it and you combine it with, you know, Seattle's run blocking win rates being middle of the pack, not being as bad as you think that they are. Um, maybe Ken Walker needs to be a little bit more disciplined. We saw that last year, early in the season, first half of his rookie year, he tried to bounce almost everything outside. And then second half of the season, Pete Carroll talked about it. It was a real emphasis to get him to go more north and south. And you saw the results. He had some big games. Because if he can get to the second level, he's as dynamic as anyone in the league. And the quickest way to get to that second level is to hit an inside run. But I also ask you this. Do you think that perhaps Zach Charbonnet's role needs to grow a little bit? And we saw hints of it last week. He was in there on that last winning drive. His running style might be a little bit more fit for this game. Overall, they need to run the football more. 15 designed runs last week. I don't think that's going to cut it against a good defense like this. And so it's up to Shane Waldron to really mix that, right? And combine that. And and you know, it's hey, it's it's exactly what offensive coordinators are paid for. Don't be predictable, be dynamic, but also kind of just lean on what you do well too. Uh, it's a fine line. It can be tricky, certainly. Um, I think this game is important. But I'll say this, and I hope I remember this during the game, depending on how it goes. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's a game that it, it won't be crushing if the Seahawks lose. Obviously, there's always context. It's how you lose. You know, it's... But it's a non-conference game. At worst, 49ers are on a bye. So at worst, they lose this game. They fall to five and three. They'd be tied with the 49ers going into the meat of their schedule. They'd come home to, to face a depleted commanders team before they get into that gauntlet of, well, there's the Rams rematch, and then you get Niners, Eagles. Niners, Cowboys. I think it's how it goes. Or maybe it's the other way around. Niners, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles. So I really would like to see them fix this aspect of their offense. I do think they match up well against the Ravens on defense, and this is why. Uh, The Ravens don't have, they have a physical running game. They have an outstanding offensive line, although they're battling a couple of injuries there. Ronnie Staley's been been nicked up. Um, We'll have to see what his status is tomorrow but you always have to account for lamar jackson in their run game that's what makes them so dangerous and i don't know that there are many teams in the nfl that are are better equipped right now to do that especially if they're in nickel and you have devin witherspoon in the slot or we could see some of that three linebacker alignment that we saw a few weeks ago where where devin bush was getting more snaps he's a quick he's a sideline to sideline guy They can move Julian Love down in the slot. Jamal Adams, obviously, is that Swiss army knife. They have maybe, and then just the high level that Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks are playing at, they might have as many options for spying or accounting for Lamar Jackson as anyone in the league. Now, usually when you play a really dynamic running quarterback, you play more zone, right? So they're going to have to be disciplined. They're going to have to be disciplined. They're going to have to make the right reads. They're going to have to react. Because if you play too much man, you can get caught up and Todd Monken can scheme for that, run guys off and create running lanes for Lamar Jackson. But that's not the Seahawks strength. As much as you've heard me say it, and a lot of you agree that we'd like to see him play more man, this isn't the week for that. So the fact that this defense has came out of the last game healthy, they've, this group has played together now for three, four games. Another week for Frank Clark to get acclimated, and then you add Leonard Williams to it and a guy that can command double teams, get after the passer and help them in that run game. I am entering this game, I would say, with a a curiosity. Because it won't be a crushing game to lose when you look at where the Seahawks are in their season and where this roster is. But if they can find a way to win it, then it really sets them up. It not just sets them up, you know, as far as the playoff race goes and increases their playoff chances, gives them confidence, all of that, which is important for a young team. It just shows where they are. This young roster coming together. We've seen it happen on defense. It's happened on offense in spurts. This is, would be a good week for us to see a consistent game from them on offense where it's not just a good start and then you pull it out in the end in the second and third quarter's, Leave a lot to be desired, or you get a good, a good drive or two followed by a couple of three and outs. Let's see some consistency, and let's see if they can uh, get a little bit better, a little bit more consistent running the football. Uh, that's going to do it for me. I will be—you can see me on Sunday in a couple of ways. Again, on that PSF app during the game, we'll be live streaming it, and then because it's an early game uh, and it's a road game, I'll be doing my reaction show Sunday afternoon after the game Uh, not so sure it'll be immediately after the game I may wait for some sound from uh, Pete and the guys but we'll see how that goes follow me on Twitter at Seahawks forever subscribe to the YouTube channel and the audio podcasts forever and always go Hawks thanks for watching the show you guys see you next time